Well, hello there, and welcome back to another show. I'm Father Roderick, back at the microphone, bringing you the usual ingredients for hopefully an entertaining and informative show. We have to talk a little bit more about June because, uh, well, told you so. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, I need to tell you more about my current situation here at the Rectory because that's where I am. This show is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. And for them, I have another show waiting in the wings, Father Roderick to the max. It's a show that my patrons get uh, uh, on a regular basis. I can't say weekly because, well, the situation here in the house is still not optimal, but I am getting back to weekly very soon. In fact, to, uh, to continue with that, uh, on November the 4th, I will get internet. So they will finally come over to the house and install uh, the necessary modems. Apparently, I there is a fiber uh, connection in the house, but apparently for the kind of subscription that I want with slightly higher speeds, they need to install new equipment. I don't know. The current uh, installation is probably already a couple of years old, so maybe they just have to upgrade the, the hardware. So that delayed stuff a little bit. I still am able to do things uh, with a limited internet because I finally discovered where the router of the internet of the neighboring parish location is. So they have a, a very small, simple internet set up for their administrative work. Uh, and I think they used it uh, during the COVID uh, lockdown to stream some of their uh, Sunday services. But since then, um, the nobody's using the Wi-Fi, so I asked them, can I please borrow a little bit of your Wi-Fi? The problem is the modem turned, turns out to be on the other side of the wall that we just uh, constructed. So my rectory downstairs has um, used to have uh, an entry to the, to the basement. However, the parish is going to use the basement, so they wanted me to close down that wall. And so now the router is not only on the other side of the wall, but also on the other side of two fire doors. So that's quite a bit of obstruction. Um, and I, I was unable for um, the two weeks that I've been living here now to get um, a, a, a usable Wi-Fi signal. So I was using up my entire internet bundle, which is huge. I've got a, a monthly internet bundle of about, I think, 15 gigs. Um, I, I burned through it in, in a in just a few days. That's when I knew that I had to do something in order to be able to just do my work and, you know, email. Um, so I, I've, I dug up some of the repeaters that we have. We have these Fritz box uh, repeaters. They are from Germany, so very good quality. And we used them uh, not in the previous rectory because that was not necessary, um, but in the first office that we had we we actually had fiber internet and then used repeaters because that was a very tricky building to get the wi-fi signal everywhere so i found one of those repeaters and and then i actually had to connect it via a wire to the router on the other side of the wall um, and then kind of sync that it was not easy but once it is uh syncing or kind of repeating the signal of um, of the of the router, I brought it to the other side of the wall inside the rectory, and so now I have very you know slow. It's slow because it's it's probably a weak signal, 
Uh, but I do have internet, so I can I can at least browse. Uh, downstairs, it is fast enough to watch some some YouTube stuff, um, but that's about it. It's not ideal. Actually, it's it's so weak that I was unable to to get my new Google Nest doorbell to work because that one works also through in, through the internet, but the signal was just not strong enough. So. There is a doorbell hanging there, but it's not functional because I, I just can't connect to it. Um, but all that is finally, hopefully, over on November the 4th, of course. Seeing is believing uh, with these tech troubles. Um, but uh, I, I think it's going to make such a huge difference to have reliable, fast internet again. I can resume my streaming. Um, I can also watch movies again. Uh, I can do gaming, all that stuff. I've been waiting for several weeks now to to be able to do that. And and as you know, and as you have experienced it yourself, for for months, my internet situation has been has been really problematic to say the least. So I'm so looking forward to going back to. Uh, to just having internet that I took for granted for so long. And now that I've been almost without it, especially during those days when I had burned through my internet bundle on my mobile phone and I, I didn't have a good Wi-Fi connection with the parish Wi-Fi, I was like, my life is so empty right now. I, it's ridiculous. Uh, but but that's kind of how how important internet has become to, at least to my life and to the work that I do. Um, another issue that I bumped in was uh, these these weeks. I'm working on a number of episodes uh, for my TV show uh, that I made from material that I shot during vacations in France. And uh, this is not something normally with the other episodes. I outsource them for the editing to uh, to someone else. But for this, it's so personal. Um, if you haven't been with me in France, then it's impossible to turn it into a story, mostly because there are no interviews, at least in this first episode. I did not interview anyone, so you have to do everything with voiceover. It's, uh, I've done that with Ireland as well um, and with some Rome stuff, but it's, it's like five times the amount of work that I normally would have because when you're editing interviews, then the interviews are basically the the core of the episode and now I have to write everything myself plus I have to just come up with a story because I filmed stuff and and at the time I wasn't really filming that for for a tv show so I worked super hard for about um 24 hours in 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 one run it was terrible because last week I had made a planning where I gave myself three days to edit but what I did not realize that one day would be perturbed by the fact that the um, uh, electrician still had to do lots of stuff in the house. So I I couldn't do much. <laughs> and then the second day uh, that I planned for editing, I got the radiator uh, company that finally installed the remaining radiators. And there were also some of the radiator um uh, how do you call them, the knobs where you turn it on and off, uh, and they were leaking. So I asked them to install uh, thermostat uh, regulators on, on the various radiators. So that took an entire day, or most of, an, uh, most of a day. So I had only one day left for this French episode, number one. And I started working at 8 o'clock in the morning, 
And then I worked all through the night telling myself, you know, gosh, why am I doing this to myself? I, I'm too old for this. And I probably was never young enough to, to pull this off. But when you have a deadline like that, there is just no escape. And then in the morning, I had to take my, my computer to the other side and hook it up via uh, a wire to the, the parish router in order to upload it to the FTP servers of the broadcasting company because there's no way that this you know, very weak inter- uh, Wi-Fi signal could give acceptable upload speeds. So, man, I'm <laughs> I love living here. I really, really, really enjoy uh, the, the way that the house is turning, turning out to be. Um, I'm not entirely done. That's why I'm only posting a few photos of the 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 places in my house that are finished. But I'm still waiting for some curtains. There, we I still don't have lights in a lot of the rooms. At least not ceiling lights. Um, what else? Uh, well, yeah, I haven't been able to hang any art yet. There was no couch yet, so there is still a lot to be done. But it it it's getting there. And I'm mostly looking forward to having time again, time to dedicate to you as an audience, time for podcasting, time for the, the stuff that really gives me energy. And for, for months now, I feel like I've been drained because I've, I've been, well, it's the work. It's all the, the change, like the whole renovation. It takes so much energy. Uh, so much time. Um, and then, of course, I also plan, and this is something I did to myself, I spent an inordinate amount of time on training for the Marathon of Rotterdam, which I thankfully was able to finish in a with a personal record, which was amazing. If you want to hear more about how that went, I refer you to my, my show, The Walk, because I go in detail about yeah, how, that, how that event went. Uh, uh, turned out and how I, I experienced everything. But that marathon alone, you know, it's like four days per week that you have to train. And it's especially towards the end of the training. It's not just uh, an hour. Sometimes it's like three or four hours that you're out out there running. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping to get back to uh, a, a normal rhythm where I can have my my routines again, um, and especially have have more creative time. I I feel that I've been severely lacking creative time. Time to to even if it's just Lego streams or or podcasting like like shows like this. Um, it's it's been way too. Uh, what's the word for that? Is it hoity toity? Or there is an expression for that where it's like hanging on a on a on a thread. Um, and and that's not a good situation to be in because this is my this is my life. I love communicating with you. I love to do these shows. Uh, I I really enjoy interacting with my YouTube audience, and I feel that for too long, all the other stuff has has gotten into the way. And 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 well, it needed to be done. But I, I will also be super happy when it's when it's back to normal and I can just spend an evening just watching something on TV. <laughs> Simple things like that. Just spending an evening gaming. I, I so miss that. Uh, but most of all, being in contact with my, with my community. That's what I miss the most. All right, let's move over to... Which button am I going to push? This one. 
How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. I'm so happy for my North American listeners that uh, they finally were able to see June at the movies. And I hope they did because it was also launched uh, simultaneously on HBO Max, which um, is still very popular in, in, in North America because of Game of Thrones, I guess. Um, but they had to wait more than a month f- to see the movie. And uh, if you've seen my review on YouTube, when I saw the movie uh, here at the theater, I was like, I cannot wait for you to experience this because this is a movie. It's more of an experience than a movie. You are on that planet, Rackus. You are... There, it is so immersive. It is so wonderful. And the bigger screen you can, can see it on, the better it is. And, um, and of course, everyone who had already seen the movie and loved it was, was worried that somehow it would not work in the United States. And, and maybe because of that simultaneous release on, on streaming, people would skip it or there would be pirate copies that people would download and, and there wouldn't be enough uh, clout for the executive decision makers to green light the sequel or the part two, because this is just the first part of the story. If you read the book, you know that the movie just stops halfway and there are so many things that are set up that need to be paid off. But of course, if it doesn't bring in the money, then there was no guarantee that we would ever get to see part two. Well, thankfully, thankfully, it's been doing really, really well in North America. Deservedly so. I had no doubts. I mean, I told you so. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a success. Um, and they recently, just last week, announced that, yes, there's going to be a part two. They greenlit uh, the, the, the second Dune movie. And, and something tells me that if this second Dune movie is a success they may actually even continue this because this could turn into a franchise if they do it well. And, of course, for book lovers, this already has been a franchise for decades, so why not, why not take advantage of the current... Uh, the quality with which they can now make movies like this in, to, to, uh, to broaden the scope? I mean, there are so many books that they can, they, they can pour inspiration uh, from uh, there are even like uh, how would you say that it's like an expanded universe like uh, is it Kevin Anderson one of those writers who wrote a lot of uh, Star Wars books back in the in the days when when the first um, expanded universe was still canon um, and and now I think with uh, is it with the son of uh, Frank Herbert uh, they're, they're writing new novels and from what I've heard they are super good so. I think there's more June in the future. I hope so, because it's so good. Anyway, I also finished uh, watching the the only season, but may, it may be the, just the first season because of its success, of Squid Games, uh, an extremely violent series, uh, North Korean. Uh, sorry, South Korean. It has a North Korean uh, character in it. Um, and But intriguing, I, I think I... I gave you my first impressions just after, after having seen two episodes, and I was very 
disturbed by the extreme violence, uh, something I did not expect uh, from the description because it just felt like something. Oh, it's like the Hunger Games. But then, no, it's not like the Hunger Games. This is like the Hunger Games with, like, murders every second. Oh, gosh. I, I don't have a very strong stomach for this. So the, the series doesn't sit well with me on that level. I I did really admire what they did with the story, though, and how much how much you, you just are propelled forward. You just want to know what's going on and who is doing this and how is this going to end and what's going to be the lesson. That is, by the way, the only question mark that I still have. I, I really admire what they did with Squid Games and I think this is, this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest success that Netflix has ever had. This is their Game of Thrones. It's insane that nobody saw this coming. The The writer-director of Squid Games actually told the press that he has not made any more money because of its success. Uh, they just paid him what they initially agreed to. But nobody, even him, nobody could have expected this, could have foreseen that this would become this mega blockbuster hit for Netflix. So they made, they probably made millions and millions and millions because of this. Um, and... I'm pretty sure that there will be uh, a sequel. There, there is a possibility, I think, to uh, to do a follow-up series. I just don't know if it will still be as good, because the story it, you would have to really give it a new a new uh, reason for the for the story. You need a new um, storyline that is compelling enough, and and you can't just repeat what they did in the first season because. They kind of wrap that up, and it wouldn't be much of a surprise anymore. But they'll figure it out. <laughs> there is money to be made, so that's usually when yeah, everybody, everybody starts to hire the best writers and the best talents to make this work. Now, of course, the big question is, what, what's next? What's next for Netflix? What's next for myself? What else am I going to watch? I got some really interesting suggestions on the Discord server from uh, from my patrons who uh, gave me a, a, a few names of uh, titles of other South Korean series that I might want to check out. One of them is called Kingdom. So I started watching the first episode. It's like a 17th century historical drama with zombies. And it's very well done. I have to say, it's it got me hooked. So maybe I'll watch that. Um, of course, I still have Star Trek to watch and uh, Babylon 5. Let's talk about that. Did I mention that? Yes, I think I mentioned it before, but I didn't go into it much because we didn't know what it was would entail uh, at the time. But there's going to be a Babylon 5 reboot. Uh, Mike Straczynski is currently writing the pilot episode. And this came as a huge surprise to everyone because Babylon 5, it's a masterful science fiction series. Uh, disclaimer, I have not finished watching it, so uh, I'm still one of those people that doesn't know how it ends. But, uh, but it was filmed at a time that there were limited resources when it comes to, you know... Uh, Graphic graphics, computer graphics, uh, even set building and stuff. It was all done on a relatively low budget, whereas the story itself was epic. It's it's really, um, uh, according to the fans, it's even better than Deep Space Nine, which is revered by 
many Star Trek fans as being the best thing that ever happened to the Star Trek universe. And actually, a lot of the storylines of Deep Space Nine are inspired by or pay homage to what Straczynski did with uh, Babylon 5. So, but the thing is, the, the series is available on DVD. They did a remaster recently where they upscaled some of the computer uh, graphics, which look really, really horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's so old. Um, and all the original files are gone, so they cannot recreate those scenes. They were all formatted for 4 by 3 TVs, so none of that is 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 looking uh, acceptable anymore. And that is why there there's never been a Blu-ray release uh, of the material because it would be so... Uh, expensive to redo all those special effects and then backgrounds and some of the uh, even of the, the 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 scenes where you have actors and and CGI those are only available in like SD quality so that is um, you know D, even on DVD it looks pretty bad I mean the 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 masters on DVD are I watch it for the for the for the story not for the image quality so apparently they did. Um, like a, an upscale and a, 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 a not a rescan. I'm not sure if they did a rescan, but anyway, it looks a ton better if you get it on iTunes. And from what I've heard, it's actually not that expensive on on iTunes. You can pick up the entire series for thirty bucks or something like that. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll maybe I'll do that because um, it's not available on any of the streaming platforms. I think it's been. On Netflix, was it on Netflix or Prime Video for a very, very short time, and then probably nobody watched it, so they took it off again. So I've, I thankfully have the DVD box, um, but as I said, it doesn't look that good. Uh, so maybe, now that I have an Apple TV, it may be worth investing just a, a few bucks in in getting the upscaled version. So, but Because I want to see the original... Now that they're going to do a reboot, I want to finish the story, and uh, uh, I'm I'm eager to know what what he's going to do. You know that Mike Straczynski, in my opinion, is one of the best TV writers out there. Um, also, a huge fan of Ronald D. Moore, of course. But I love how he thinks, and and his stories, his science fiction. Um, is always about more than just entertaining people. He he. He's agnostic, but <laughs> I would say with with uh, this week's gospel, you know, he's so close to the kingdom of God. In a certain way, there is so much intuition about what makes people tick, what is important about values, about morality, and about all the all the trouble that we have. Also, living a moral life and making making moral choices, and and in all his stories, it's so masterfully told. I can't wait to see how he's going to reboot Babylon 5. It's going to be the same story. It's not going to be a sequel, not a prequel. He's going to go back to the story, but tell it in a different way. And then, of course, we don't know anything about the production. We just know that there is a party that wants to make this, and and Mike is on board. And, and, and if he's on board, I think we're in for a treat. But, of course... Life is not the same. The world is not the same as when he first produced Babylon Five. Plus, he's so creative that he will want to do something that is different. It's it can't just be a repeat of what he did with the original Babylon Five. So I I just I can't wait to see. This is unique that a writer can go back. Imagine 
if they would go back to Game of Thrones and retell that story or or go back to Star Wars and retell the entire nine part nineology but differently I mean it's just insane it's I I can't wait to see what this will be and I hope of course that it's going to be a success uh, because what makes Babylon 5 so unique is that uh, Mike was able to to plan out the entire story before they started production. And so nothing is improvised. Every episode was was carefully scripted, and that's why the story is so good. They're setting up stuff in the first few episodes that is paid off at the very end, according from what I've heard, because I have not finished watching the series. I mean, it's, it's such an incredible um, quality production. So I, I hope that they will give him that now as well uh, because the most frustrating thing ever would be, of course, for a reboot to happen and then that the series would be cancelled after two se- seasons. That happens all the time right now and it's so frustrating. But eh, quality stuff tends to stick around. I'm hoping the same, of course, for Wheel of Time. Uh, I hope that's going to be a huge hit because it, I couldn't live with the idea that they wouldn't be able to finish the story. Again, that is also a, a story arc that needs to be told completely wholesale. You cannot just tell part of the story. And, and so, I don't know. It's, it's, these are fascinating times. We, we've seen some of the best TV that, we, that the world has ever seen, but we've also seen so many things go the way of the dodo before they were before they were completed um that's a, that's a downside of the of the the world that we live in and our own media consumption causes this because if we if we all would watch it then of course they would make more seasons but there's so much we, we, we right now if you go to netflix and you have disney plus and you have amazon prime and some of you have hulu there's just so much stuff to watch what are you going to watch and so I'm I'm not surprised that a lot of these series don't take off immediately and then well if there's no money to be made they cost a lot of money so that's how a lot of the good stuff even gets canceled. Something that we know is not going to get canceled is of course all the Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus that is their bread and butter. Uh good news not only will we see Hayden Christensen return as Darth Vader in the uh, limited series uh, around Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it has just been confirmed that he will also show up in the Ahsoka series, uh, which hasn't started filming yet. I think they're going to produce that next year for a release maybe in 2023. Um, But I can't wait to see if they're going to do more than just putting... Uh, Hayden Christensen in a costume. I think there is a there's an opportunity here to take the helmet off and to have some maybe even a bit of redemption for for Hayden's character in the prequels, where I I feel that he got kind of uh how'd you call that Sh- a short something. He he didn't get to really act, and I think it was mostly due to 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 George Lucas not not letting people act um and, and and I always felt that that Anakin 
is so much more interesting in the Clone Wars animated series than he was in the prequels. And, and I'm thankful that we have the Clone Wars because that too is canon. And so we get to have a much better uh, um, Anakin Skywalker than we ever got in the movies. But, of course, it wasn't Hayden Christensen. Maybe he voiced the role in just the, the opening movie, but uh, he didn't even have any role in 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 the Clone Wars in the in the regular seasons. So to see the actor being back, um, hopefully there will be some good acting, some good directing, some good writing. But you know, judging from what they did with the Mandalorian, we're going to be in for a treat. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Catholics rock! It is time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. This is the community of these weird Catholics that believe all sorts of things that nobody understands. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? So I'm coming to the rescue explaining you What's up with this peculiar bunch, and why do they do the things they do, and why do they believe the things they believe? Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So I'm recording this on the last day of October. By the time you listen to this, it may already be the beginning of November, and therefore also All Saints Day or All Souls Day. These are two important moments in the life of the liturgical life of the church, where we commemorate all these men and women who lived in the footsteps of Jesus. Some of which are known as saints and have been proclaimed saints or martyrs, but many more have just lived their life um, without ever being in the history books and and still. Uh, they are saints. They they live in heaven because that's what a saint is, someone who is completely 100% open to God's love and, and, and lives in heaven. There is no one in heaven who is not a saint. That is really interesting. So when we commemorate the saints, we think of everyone who is in heaven. And All Souls Day, there's a bit of a nuance. That's also about people that have died, but the Catholic Church teaches that when you die, it doesn't necessarily mean that you automatically go to heaven. We have this image, <laughs> which we created ourselves, of you know the pearly gates, and then uh, the the everybody has wings for some reason. So, but that's not Catholic doctrine. We we don't turn into angels. Uh, yes, we become temporarily spirits without a body. But that's temporarily because we believe at the end of time that there will be a resurrection in the flesh. We will be people that also have a physical body again. So this spiritual uh, state in a certain way where only our soul goes to heaven and our body, what remains of it is is either uh, buried or, or burned or whatever, uh, composted. <laughs> Some people just now want to be, you know, um, I don't know, that you can let your ashes be put in a pot for a plant or something like that. I was like, mm, yeah, I know. I'm I'm very much in favor of um, recycling and giving back to Mother Earth. What <laughs> go? You know, dust going back to dust. But um, uh, yeah, sometimes I also wonder if we do respect the dead enough uh, because. 
Well, anyway, that's not the discussion that I wanted to start right now, but um, the Catholic Church teaches that if you die, you may actually not go straight to heaven. There may be some healing that is necessary. Uh, the sins that are forgiven have still caused uh, all sorts of uh, damage. Um, you may have scars of the sins, and so what the Catholic Church calls purgatory, from pur basically to purge, right? It, it means get rid of everything that it, that is not good, that is unclean, that is damaged. It's a it's a time, and again, it's you know it's not really a time, nor is it a place. Purgatory. It is a state of your soul, where God is helping you to fully open to his to his love and once that process is finished you will you will be in heaven heaven is being 100% full and filled with god's grace and god's love and there's nothing that tops that so on all souls day we pray for our beloved departed but we pray for them because some of them may still have to go through this process of purgatory and so, um, and I think that many Catholic faithful don't realize that this is the cohesion of the two days. We celebrate the people that are already in heaven, that the saints, and that can also be our ancestors who have gone through that purgatory phase and are now living in heaven. So they are saints as well. So we celebrate the dead not just on the second day of November, but also on the first day. And then, on the, but on the second day, we pray for the people that we know that may need these prayers. And there is a wonderful um, connection between the community of the church here on earth and then the community of the church in heaven uh, or in purgatory. We can pray for one another. We can help. Our prayers can help those that are maybe still in this process of opening up to God and leaving behind the scars that sin caused. Um, and, uh, and our prayers are basically signs of love, and love heals. That's how I explain it. Uh, it's, it's the healing love that comes from our prayers that is helping the people that are still, you know, opening up to that love. It, it strengthens the amount of love that, 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 that heals so many wounds. So if you look at it from that perspective, then it makes sense that the church celebrates these two days one after another. And the, the first one, All Saints Day, is a solemnity. It's a feast because we celebrate the fact that, that uh, the, the, the people that came before us are in heaven. That is amazing. That is something to be celebrated. The second day, All Souls Day, is not a solemnity. It is more of a commemoration. Is we, 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 we remind ourselves of the people that we miss, and we remind ourselves that we need to pray for them, that they still they need us, and they can pray for us. Like, there is a connection. But we, we will celebrate them once they are in heaven on the first day of November. So I will always encourage people to go to church on both days, not just All Souls Days, although that one is like 90% more popular or 90% more people go to All Souls Day than, than go to All Saints Day. But in, in if you explain it, how these two belong together and how we are also 
celebrating maybe your your own grandfather or grand grandmother because they may be in heaven and so that is a cause for joy and if they're not then we'll pray for we will pray for them on on the second day of november um yeah that's that's kind of a uh a short uh in a nutshell what these two days are about and then of course as you know um all hallows eve halloween is um is kind of the the well, the eve of those two big days for for catholics and then of course because we are thinking mostly about the people that have died we get the ghost stories you know we always like to kind of it's something death is always a bit scary and so we we try to conjure uh how do you say that we we try to c- control our our fear by telling these stories and by 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 creeping out one another with our costumes and it's 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 a way to uh I think to process this this scary topic of death, and it's easier to laugh about it and to tell scary st- stories than it is to have a theological discussion about it. So, but for me, it's fine. I mean, I don't I don't mind Halloween as long as we keep explaining to people uh, that 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 it is a feast that people enjoy because it helps us to deal with death but if you really want to deal with death then of course halloween itself is not enough you know candy is not gonna gonna (laughs) prevent you from dying and 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 is also not candy is not gonna help the souls that are already dead so um i think it's an opportunity for for the church i think to continue to to educate people about uh about these truths um this is this would have been a perfect a perfect moment of the year for the the upcoming um uh Ghostbusters 3 movie uh because well halloween everybody's in the mood but i think we still have to wait a little bit um it's getting closer though and some people have actually already seen the movie we've seen some preliminary spoiler free um reviews let me take a look at uh, imdb and see when they are releasing this because i'm I'm now starting to wonder if some journalists have already seen it then maybe the movie is not too far off ghostbusters 3 is it called 3 oh it's called ghostbusters afterlife okay um let's see when is the release Production, international trailer. It already has an IMDb rating of 7.8 out of 10. So a lot of people must have seen it already. Oh, IMDb is great. But if you want to look up something simple like release date, you might as well just go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia, Ghostbusters after. Life. Uh, buddy two. Okay. When is the premiere? Filming took place in 2019. Uh, it was screened unannounced on August the 23rd during a CinemaCon event in Las Vegas. It is scheduled to be released in the United States on November 19 after being delayed four times from an original July 2020 date due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Wow, I did not know that it had been postponed four times. So, November 19th, that's, that's soon. That's in three weeks from now. I can't wait to see it. From the early reviews uh, that I read, uh, some people say it is actually the sequel to uh, an epic version of Ghostbusters 1 and 2 that actually has never existed. If you go back to Ghostbusters 1 and 2, it's, it's way more cheesy and more... Uh, 80s in a certain way then then this sequel uh seems to suggest it makes the story much more epic you know what i don't care i don't care i just want to see a worthy sequel to the ghostbusters franchise and i recently restarted watching the oh female version and Although it's a fine movie, it's okay. I still don't really... The humor doesn't work for me, but that's a personal thing. Um, it is not. It's really not in the same universe as Ghostbusters 1 and 2. So I'm, I'm glad that they're doing something different and that they are paying homage, um, homage to, I think, a fantastic franchise. And um, something tells me that uh, there will be more Ghostbuster movies. Why not? When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Speaking of Ghostbusters, I just discovered audiobook versions of the two original novelizations of Ghostbusters 1 and 2 by Richard Muller. And... Wow, they are fun. That's really, 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 really fun. I've been listening to Ghostbusters the first part. They are bundled together, so maybe they uh, they uh, were issued in, in, in one volume. I don't know. Um, but it's so much fun to, to just re-listen to the story of the first of the first movie um, and, and 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 just picture it in your mind. I could Basically, watch Ghostbusters while, while training for my marathon. It was so much fun. And the jokes and the, the fun, uh, the, uh, the charism of the characters works even on paper, or in this case, in audiobook form. It, it's, it is so funny. You can just totally <laughs> picture the movie, and it, and it is a perfect preparation for, uh, for Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife. Um, I... I've only seen Ghostbusters 2 twice, I think. So I need to go back. I was looking for... I thought I had the Blu-rays of Ghostbusters. And I do... I am absolutely certain that I had the Blu-ray of Ghostbusters 1. Which was actually remastered and, and pretty good. Because it came with a PlayStation game. So I bought the original Ghostbusters PlayStation game. I, I think it was for the PlayStation 3. And... They, I think, recently re reissued that game, and it's it's a really good game, and it features uh, the original voice actors. Um, of course, it's been made a, quite a, a long time ago, so it's uh, but it holds up story wise. Um, and then that Blu-ray or that disc, because the PlayStation Three was a Blu-ray player, came with the movie. But I think when I sold all my my physical uh, PlayStation games. I may have sold the box with that held <laughs> Ghostbusters one. Um, 
I'll look around and see if I either I'll I'll get the Blu-rays or maybe it's on one of the streaming platforms because I need to rewatch at least Ghostbusters two several times before I'm ready for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. But it's fun to in the meantime to just listen to the novelization. I also started reading Total Recall. Now, as you can imagine by the title, this is. Um, a book that has to do with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's actually called, uh, the subtitle is My Unbelievable True Life Story. I can't do Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, he, so he tells the story of his life, his career, uh, filming career, probably also includes his political career later on. Um, and it's interesting. It's uh, I'm now at the part where it's not as interesting because he's just talking about all his, you know, how he became a bodybuilder, builder, and um, what I did not know is I thought he was just a sports guy. You know, that bodybuilding was just a thing, but actually. For him, it was a way to make money. It was a way to to get out, uh, you know, to to build up a reputation. So it was very much a performance, and not just and and well, bodybuilding is not the healthiest sports that you can do. So um, so it, it it belongs, I think, in the book as a, a kind of a, a the starting phase of his career. Um, and something else that that's, but it's not very very interesting. I, I can't wait to hear him talk about his uh, his filming experiences. And uh, there are so many movies that I've seen starring him, uh, and many of which are really favorites of mine, including the the super cheesy Last Action Hero, which is actually one of my all time favorite movies. Please don't tell anyone because apparently I'm one of the only people on earth who likes that movie. But uh, I can't wait to hear more. I always love to hear the behind-the-scenes stuff that was going on while they were filming that. Uh, and then what also was interesting, that he, he talks about his youth in Austria, and and he is actually from a very Catholic family, and uh, faith was a, a very normal part of his life, and he talk, talks about it very openly. I, um, I appreciate that, even though maybe his own life choices have not always been very consistent. I actually don't know. I... Uh, some of the things that he talks about in his early part of his career are definitely um, not something that uh, <laughs> you know his confessor would condone. But uh, but it's still nice to have an actor just talk about his Catholic background as something that you know is is a valuable thing. It's definitely something that he is happy with and and uh, and has never rejected that. And and that is rare. We've got so many people who, who now you know, openly proclaim that uh, they have abandoned the church because of all, because stuff. <laughs> There's always a reason, but it's so nice to see an actor just talk about that as just being a, a, a positive part of his own upbringing and, and something that I think also definitely um, influenced, impacted his, his own life and the way he looks at life. Then I started reading or listening to uh, the latest book by Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus, uh, also known as The Minimalists. Uh, they wrote a book recently, or they released a book called Love People Use Things Because the Opposite Never Works. And in the first chapter, uh, Joshua Fields Milburn, who actually wrote the book, Ryan Nicodemus is barely present. I, he just wrote a few things. He's not a writer. <laughs> um uh, he uh, so Joshua uh, acknowledges that 
this quote, love people use things, is actually for, from uh, Archbishop Sheen. And the reason that it is ingrained in his mind is that his mother, who was a devout Catholic, um, had a, uh, a, a picture, or how do you say that? Like it was, they, She framed that phrase, and it was hanging on the wall, and every day he saw that, and he only realized much later how true it was when he was discovering minimalism as an answer to his personal life crisis. Now, he himself is not a... a, a uh, Catholic, or uh, not anymore at least, um, although I can't keep myself from thinking a lot of the philosophy of the minimalists, especially this hit, you know, what he does with uh, Ryan Nicodemus, there are so many Catholic values in that. He just doesn't label them as Catholic, and he probably doesn't even realize that a lot of the way he looks at things and looks at life and, and values in life are actually coming from his Catholic upbringing. Um, and in, in a way, I find it a little bit of a... It's almost a shame that that uh, he has lost his faith um, because I think it's the source. It's the source of, of this lifestyle. I'm always intrigued by it. So what determines these values? Is this just about feeling good? Well, what about sacrificing yourself for others? Uh, why, ultimately, do you live this minimalist life? Why? What is the source of that? Why? What's the ultimate goal of it as well? Is it just, you know, having an uncluttered life? But that, too, can become a little bit boring <laughs> over time. So, so what is the, the I would say, the transcend, transcendental uh, purpose of this whole minimalism thing? Um, yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with these guys once. But anyway, it's an interesting book, although it, it does repeat almost everything that they already talked about in their podcast. And I've listened to a ton of podcasts from these two. So it's like, uh, yeah, heard this before. <laughs> but hey, for many people, this will be their first uh, encounter with minimalism. And I still think it is a very interesting movement um, that... Uh, th that is inspiring and has in inc uh, has impacted my own life tremendously. I'll talk a little bit about this in uh, Father Roderick to the Max. How I'm I'm really uh, it's almost as if I'm going to the next level when it comes to minimalism in my life. It's not just about decluttering; it's also about um, well, it's essentialism. Basically, it's going. So, what is what is truly the only, what is necessary? Uh, what do I have to let go? Also in my professional life, in, in the work that I do. And what should I hold on to and maybe expand upon? And, and minimalism, having practiced this lifestyle now for several years, um, has been, I think, a, a perfect preparation for this time in my life where I'm, I'm kind of making new choices. I'm rebooting my life and my activities and, and, and in fact, I already know what is essential and what I want to focus on. What is the hardest part is to let go of the stuff that's in the way and has been in the way for a while. So uh, I'll give you some more, uh, some more examples of that in, um, in Father Roderick to the Max if you're, uh, if you're uh, subscribed to that show. Um, so those are the books that I'm currently 
reading. Haven't finished any of them yet. I am happy with my little reading corner. Um, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen the photo that I posted yesterday on Instagram, and then it was reposted on Twitter and Facebook of my, what well, I call this my Hobbit corner, because I, I always dreamed of having my a place that would feel like the inn in, in Matamata. So I went to the the film set of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit uh, that is now uh, basically a tourist attraction. And they left the buildings in place and some of them are even decorated on the inside. Most of them are not because they, were, you know, they filmed all the inside. For instance, Bag End, that's just the outside. There is no inside. Uh, but they filmed everything in studios, of course. But the, you have the, the Green Dragon Inn that is... Uh, built to scale and well it's human sized but it it feels so like the real thing it is as if you are it's a real inn you can you can have meals there and drink a beer and and sit at the fireplace um but it it was also i mean it's built like a set uh and it's uh it's amazing and i remember visiting i visited the place twice and the second time i was able to stay a little bit longer. It was a, a gray, somber day. It was raining. Um, and But I remember at the end of the tour, um, and, and we it was a quiet day as well, so we basically could take as much time as we wanted to walk around there. And, and I was like, oh, I want to stay here forever. I love it here. I want my life to be in the Shire. And... And, and then I, I, I'd been walking outside for several hours in Hobbiton. It felt like I was there. But it was cold and it was raining. And then I finally entered the Green Dragon. And I sat down at the fireplace. There is this fireplace in uh, opposite of the bar where you can get your beer. They actually have special beer that is made for by a brewery for, uh, for Hobbiton. And... I think I had a beer and a piece of cake or something like that, like a chocolate cake, like a very hobbity thing. Or maybe it was a, a pie. I don't remember if it was a pie or cake. Anyway, it was just, just this hobbit thing. And I remember sitting in these big leather uh, chairs in front of the fireplace. And it was a real fireplace. And because I'd been outside for hours, I was cold. And the, the warmth of the fire was really comforting. And I remember that I wanted to freeze time at that moment. I was like, this is pure happiness. This is what I dream of. I want to be, I want to stay here. Maybe one day I'll be able to have my own Hobbit house. And I've always kept that in mind. Like there, I, one day I want to create a place that feels like this. I won't be able to create a Hobbit hole, though maybe someday, uh, but I can have a fireplace and I can have a leather chair or something like that or a rocking chair right now. Uh, although I may, may actually get another leather chair because the rocking chair is from Ikea. And it, after a half an hour, it's, uh, the cushion is just not very good. So, yeah, it, it, it's a pain in the rear, <laughs> this chair. It looks nice, but it, it's not comfortable. So maybe I'll replace it by something else. But... I created this little cozy corner in the living room and it has a, well, it's a fake fireplace, but still it has the same 
vibe as uh, as I, I remember from Hobbiton. And then in, in order to complete it, I was like, there's something missing. I was reading a book there the other day. I'm sitting there and it's so cozy. And well, I, I have actual heating now in the house, so it was so nice. And and yet there was something in the back of my mind that said, This is yeah, I'm missing something. What am I missing? And all of a sudden it hit me. I miss the sound of the fireplace because this is basically LEDs. Um you can actually turn it on and it will create it will also radiate heat if you want to but that's of course expensive but it's because it's just a heater um, so i i don't need that so but it doesn't make a sound so i was like well i have all these google home devices maybe i can put a speaker there on top or even behind the fireplace and have it play fireplace sounds you know we've got these long audio files on 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 spotify or on on uh, youtube and I've used that before just to give myself some background noise. You know, it's, it's when I go to sleep and I, I tell my Google Home device, like, uh, good night, it will actually start playing the sound of a fireplace. And it's super calming, especially if there are, there's noise from outside. Uh, when I was still living in the loft uh, at Father Henry's place, there w- would be often student parties in the backyard. Well, not in, in Father Henry's backyard, but uh, uh, close close by. And I would just turn up the volume and have this campfire sound play, and it would calm me down. So I was like, how, well, I'm just going to try that out. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, that's going to be hard because all these speakers are linked to the same, the same uh, YouTube account, so I probably can't play music and then have one of those speakers play something else. Now, it turns out with a hack, you can do it, uh, but it involves creating a separate account. And then actually, ideally, it, it, sh- it should be given by someone with a different voice because uh, otherwise Google cannot tell that you want actually a second stream to play. And then uh, it suddenly hit me. It's like, why am I making life more complicated than it is? I have another smart speaker, but it's not Google's. It's Amazon. It's an Alexa. And I bought that one. It's one of those um, hockey pucks, the dot. I think it's called the Echo Dot. I bought it in Germany because they're not available in the Netherlands yet. Um, And I bought it because I wanted to experience the the ability of Alexa to read uh, e-books. It's something that Apple doesn't do. It's also something that, um, uh, what is it? Well, the only, the only uh, app that can do it is the Google Play Books app, um, but it uses a very generic computer voice. So it's, I, I use it, but it's nothing compared to what Alexa does. Alexa has such a natural-sounding voice, and when it reads a book to me, it sounds like a real person is reading it. I remember reading the book about Leia. Uh, it's like a, um, what's it called? Anyway, it's about the earlier life of Princess Leia before she meets Luke and Han Solo. Uh, or maybe it's no, maybe afterwards. No, I think it's the the. It's actually telling uh, us more about Leia after. Probably after the after Return of the Jedi, so it's talking about her life. Anyway, doesn't matter. 
But I didn't have an audiobook version of that, so I had Alexa read that to me, and I was I was just gobsmacked by the quality of it. But, of course, in the meantime, I've gotten Storytel, and I've got real actors reading the books, which is even more compelling. So I have that Alexa speaker still gathering dust. And so I placed that one on the fireplace. And now I can tell Alexa to play the fire, the fireplace sounds and then have Google play me Hobbit music in the background. And I'm so happy. I'm, in the, I'm like, oh, I love it when technology works together. And the, the funny thing is the Echo Dot is actually a better speaker than the, um, the Google Home Minis. It has more bass, and so it has this... It's not just a crackling that you hear, but you also hear this... Like the, the sound that a real fire makes. Um, and it's these lower tones that really, really complete the picture. And, and, and oh, wow, I, the other day I was sitting there and thinking, oh, man, I just realized one of my... One of my dreams. This was on my bucket list to have my Hobbit corner. And it's such a great place to sit down and read a book. I, I just love it. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. We need to talk about the new MacBook Pros. Oh my goodness. This was what I was waiting for. And with me, so many other professionals that work in the creative sector. Uh, the MacBooks, of course, have been really, really good laptop computers. I still use my 11-inch uh, MacBook Air that I bought 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, to write my first book. Um, and it still works so well. And I can use it to stream, and I it's it never let me down. Um, but in the meantime, of course, Apple has been continuing continuously improving their, uh, their laptop iterations. They had some problems, of course. They caused themselves some problems by making the devices smaller and lighter all the time, getting rid of all the ports, which is a major mistake. <laughs> and then uh, they even completely messed up their, uh, their keyboard design. So they had to eat crow and go back on so many of these things. And uh, what everybody was waiting for them to do was to bring back some ports, now, we only got a few ports back. We got an SD card port, which to me is essential. If I go to Rome and I've been filming there, I want to edit. I don't want to hook up my laptop to, a, to dongles and then tons of wires in order to just upload uh, the material from my camera to my editing computer. You just want to have an SD card slot. It doesn't take up much space anyway. It's so convenient. And especially since I love to travel light, I don't like the whole concept of dongles. It was always like, oh man, I can't believe Apple is doing this. And and they will come back. <laughs> this, this dongle nonsense needs to stop. And it did stop. Uh, they also added an HDMI port. So important if you want to quickly hook up your computer to a monitor. Like 90% of the monitors that are affordable don't have a USB-C port. You need to 
just use an HDMI cable. This Mac, new back MacBook Pro has an HDMI port. HDMI port. They also have some more USB ports. They brought back the MagSafe connector, which is something that I—it's one of the best things that Apple ever invented. Because if someone trips over the wire, which happens a lot, actually much more than you think, happens to me often that I trip over my own wires. And thanks to MagSafe, it never crashed my computer into the ground. So I can't believe they got rid of that because they're, you know, I think it was Johnny Ive who was just telling them less is better, less is better. Why do we need all those ports? USB-Cs, fast enough, just do one USB-C. There actually have been MacBooks, MacBook Airs, I think, that had just one USB-C port. It's insane. And so these MacBook Airs are a lot thicker, heavier, but thank goodness it's for a good reason. It's got much more battery power. It's got an amazing screen. Um, and these are faster than ever before. Everybody expected them to go a little bit faster than the M1s, but they went over the top, which is incredibly promising for the next iteration of these MacBooks. I mean, Apple has only just begun with their transition to the M1 architecture, and I think they're going to outpace any other computer in the world. I've seen some benchmarks and some real-life testing of these MacBooks, and for my type of work, which involves rendering, involves handling very heavy video files, like recently, for the first time, I've been editing 4K material, which I've never been able to do before. But I'm doing that on a PC. The only way I can do that on a PC is by creating proxies. Proxies are like smaller, low-quality versions of your video files so that my uh, Premiere Pro doesn't, choke up completely because of the heavy duty material but of course it would be much better if i could monitor the 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 actual quality which i can't on my pc it's way too slow even though it's only three years old but on these macbooks you can easily play 4k material without it without a hitch several layers the rendering is super fast uh yes they are expensive but I am going to ask my uh, the the Tridio board if I can get one of those because and then of course preferably the 16 incher because uh, with the type of video editing that I do you need screen real estate and the more the better so um, it's going to be it's a huge investment but it's finally the laptop that I think is workable and. It's, it's uh, faster, it's way faster than my current very heavy PC. And I've, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I have that PC, but I don't see myself lugging it around, even, even moving it into the new home. I was like, man, what am I going to do with this huge, it's got this very heavy metal case because of the cooling that was necessary, and it's an i7, like very high performance, and yet... It's it's even the regular MacBook Air now with the M1 blows it out of the water. And for me, rendering speed is everything. You know, like a a good workflow is so, it it saves time, and in my case, it saves me even hours of sleep because rendering an episode that's based on 4K material now takes about two hours for my PC. So that means that when I'm done editing. I still have to wait two more hours 
before I can then finally upload the thing. And then if something goes wrong in rendering, which happens, where there will be a hiccup, there will be, I don't know, sometimes you make a, uh, a mistake in, in the settings. After rendering the entire episode, you notice the mistake if you're lucky, and then you have to go back and re-render, and that's another two hours. I'm, I mean, just... It, when time, if time is money, I'll make my money back on these new MacBook Pros. But, um, oh well. <laughs> I am so glad that Apple finally listened to uh, the people that actually, you know, need them to make some changes and that they, 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 they finally listened. That's good. That's, that's the way to do it, Apple. Now go on, continue. All right. Uh, some other uh, tech news. Of course, you heard about the name change for the umbrella company for Facebook. They no longer want to be known by the name of Facebook. Instead, they are now going to be called Meta, focusing on a metaverse that they hope will be the future of computing, where we will all live lives basically as we saw it in um, in the Matrix, <laughs> or <laughs> maybe a less scary version of that in Free Guy, or what's that other movie um, where you are in the virtual world, uh, uh, Real Player One. They're definitely moving towards that. And then, of course, they had this visionary talk by Zuckerberg about what the future is going to look like. And all that, of course, is very important to the company right now because they've had so much bad press, deservedly so, because they, this company is just unbelievable in their lack of moral conscience. It's crazy. Uh, but then, of course, this name change was planned way before the scandals uh, and, and all the controversy. Uh, but I think it came right in time for, for Facebook because their stock is, like, soaring right now. And I have to say, I do love that future idea of living in this, you know, being able to have VR that is so realistic that you don't have to travel the planet anymore to, to have wonderful experiences, to bring people together. Um, th th there was a, a like a pro version of the Oculus Quest that was announced. It's going to be more expensive, and apparently they're going to use even more advanced uh, techniques to make it more uh, immersive. I, I, we live in exciting times. I can't wait to see what the future will bring when it comes to VR. All right, with that, we need to start wrapping up because I've got another show to record. Father Roderick to the max for my patrons, um, in which I talk a little bit more about my efforts to go to return to my routines my daily routines that help me to live my life and find some inner peace i'll uh, give you some of my new my new recipes oh i discovered miso soup and pho oh my gosh best thing ever and then of course we'll talk a little bit more about liturgy it's also a staple ingredient of the show and this time i'll talk about liturgical reforms at saint peter's basilica and why I'm very intrigued by what they're planning there. And then um, I'll talk about some of my video games that I hope to play once I've got my internet on November the 4th. Oh, it's going to be a day long remembered. Fast internet. I can't wait to see you back online streaming the show as usual once I get my connection back. Uh, so hopefully rendezvous next time for the next show live on YouTube. Take care and God bless. <laughs>